This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. More questions about your How's particular your coffee, by the way. It's really good. You did a nice job this morning. I aim to please. Yeah, you do. Really nice job. Tell you what, barista might be in your future. Eventually, it yeah. will be. I, I mean, I, I think when you shut, shut all down. this down, I think when you shut all this down, you're going to have a lot of options. I think you really are. Adjunct professor, we've already established I'd that. I'd love to do that. I know you would. Barista, making coffee for people. And other stuff. And other things. I could do that. Yeah. Uh, yard? Going to be a yard guy? No. No, I didn't think so. Okay, Watch dogs. Watch dogs. That's it. And yeah. Stormy. The search for Stormy. Yeah. For me. Chrissy told us about having a bird as a pet. Yeah. And Stormy hit a window and That's flew away. Not good. We're not talking about that. Let's go, come on. We got more things. Damper here. on my day. We got to talk to Paul Carcaterra, who makes his triumphant return yep. to the Packer and Durham program. Fourth appearance. Look at that. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Kark, how are you, my man? I'm good. Two things. I'm listening to you guys. One, no one's making me coffee, so take it and run west. And... The bottom line is this. You want to watch dogs, I'll give you a one-year-old husky, right? Still in the puppy stages. It's digging my entire yard. So one of you guys want the dog, take it. All right, well, bring the husky over here and you hang out with uh, all Chester and Fuller. All you we'll, got to we'll do is get to Charlotte. Dog. We'll break that dog in. Hey. We'll send him back to you. You'll be like, man, it's a whole new dog. Cart, let me tell you this. Packer's oldest daughter. They ha We have the two dogs here. You know, Chester's what, 10 pounds? Chester's, yeah. Chester's 27 pounds and, and will be 14 years old August 1st. And Fuller is 65 wow. pounds, and he is on my feet right now. Yeah. And to the point that I have to go through some sort of a gymnastics move in order to, to do the show. There's Chester. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, well, my dog Yeti is, is 55 pounds and packed. You can watch it all day long. It digs yeah. everything. Your yard will be trashed. Okay. So here's the other thing. <laughs> We haven't shown you Packer's oldest daughter, Gigi, who lives in Atlanta, has an 85-pound golden retriever. golden retriever named Piper. Mm, Piper girl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could host some sort of Animal Planet program here. I, I, things, you know, when get I out decide of to get out of this racket, yeah. I'm telling you, I, I will be a dog sitter. I All can right. handle that. Kark is going to be in Charlottesville Saturday for Carolina, Virginia. It'll be terrific. But can we yeah. just take a knee here at the top, Kark? I told this story earlier in the show. Last week, we were in New Orleans for the Final Four. We were getting ready to do a pregame show for the national semifinal on ACC Network. And Virginia Tech and Boston College women's lacrosse was on the network at the time. And we got to show two guys that were the most outstanding players of the Final Four in basketball, Luke Hancock and Carlos Boozer, the greatness that is Charlotte North. And they were like, Holy cow, Luke Hancock thought he was watching circus acts. I mean, this girl, this lady, this woman is going to places that I'm not sure people realize how spectacular she is. We've seen Aaron Matson in field hockey, Kark. This is incredible what she does. She's unreal. And I'll say a few things. Last year, before she completely popped on the national stage, I was on the record. I thought she was the best player in college lacrosse, the men's and the women's game. Prior to the 2021 season, when she smashed the NCAA record for goals in the season with 102, won the tour, time the Heisman Trophy of, 
of lacrosse and a national championship. I worked out with her in late uh, December, prior to the spring season. She was in Connecticut. I went on a field with her. We shot around. What I saw that day, I, I just said to myself, there was no one who's going to stop her. Just pure strength, athleticism, skill. And then the one thing that I think she's a complete outlier in terms of her greatness, how competitive she is. If you watch her, when she's playing lacrosse and she's scoring goals and she's celebrating, you feel the energy. Mm-hmm. Like you, It's palpable. And I, and I think she's, she's a once-in-a-generation talent. She's breaking all the goal records. But she's also doing it with a style that inspires the next generation. I have a 12-year-old daughter who's trying to do things like Charlotte North. Like she's out on the field every single day in our backyard, and she watches all the BC games. She's a total lax rat, my daughter, Payla. And she watches every move that Charlotte makes. So it's the style that, that just gives that next generation a little bit more, if that makes sense. Wow. Well, she's spectacular. There's no doubt. Uh, by the way, uh, on the men's side, uh, Virginia – Defending champs, hey, no embarrassment losing to Maryland. Maryland right now the number one team doing their thing. But what happened? They lose to Richmond out of nowhere, unranked. Uh, Big picture about Virginia. And really right now the big picture on the men's side in the ACC. Where where are we at this stage of the season? Well, I'll start with Virginia. You know, they had the loss to Maryland. They gave Maryland 15 extra possessions. Petey LaSala, who's one of the better face-off men in the country for Virginia, really struggled that day. So you give a team like Maryland 15 extra possessions, I mean, do, do the math there. So that's where that game was won. When you really break down the tape of the Maryland-Virginia game, it was a rematch of last year's national championship, which Virginia won. They had the opportunities. They still scored 12 goals. They hardly had the ball. The Richmond game was a little bit of a head-scratcher and a shocker, I think, to most people outside of the lacrosse world because Richmond should not beat Virginia. But Virginia had two huge losses in terms of the injury. Matt Moore, who plays with Connor Schellenberger, who you're seeing right there, Schellenberger's the best player in college lacrosse in terms of the men's game. Charlotte North's the best overall player. Schellenberger, to me, is the ultimate quarterback, and he's able to have operating room because of Matt Moore. Matt Moore went down with a lower body injury. We don't know his status. He could be out for a while. He's on pace to break Virginia's all-time scoring record, Matt Moore. So the one-two punch makes them so prolific offensively. It's their secret sauce. He was out of the mix. He was nicked up. And LaSalle has a bad injury in the upper body, and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. Those two losses could dictate the season for Virginia and put them in a position not to repeat. I think overall, when you think of the ACC, people need to pump the brakes. I see the bracketology right now. People are saying, oh, there's only going to be two teams in the ACC. All five men's teams went to the NCAA tournament last year. Do I see all five teams making it this year? No. I'm confident, though, and people think I'm nuts, that three are going to make it. All the bracketology says two. Because at the end of the day, I think Virginia will be there. They have the credible wins. They have the RPI. I think Duke will be there. And I think someone is going to emerge between North Carolina, Syracuse, and Notre Dame. Not all three, just one. And I think it's going to give the – the tournament uh, three ACC teams. I'll say this too. Notre Dame at three and four to me is one of the the most dangerous teams in the country. They played Maryland tougher than anyone the entire season. When they shoot well, they can play with anyone. They scored over 20 goals against Syracuse last week. Pat Cavanaugh has 28 points in the last three games against Syracuse. If you're a Syracuse fan, you don't want to see him again, but you will in the dome later in the season. So I think Notre Dame is the, is the most dangerous team that's flying under the radar. 
When they're losing games, their shooting is awful. You look at their percentage. They can't hit the back of the net. When they find the back of the net and they get confidence in Kavanaugh's quarterbacking, which he did last week, they are a very dangerous team. And I think the story of the week in the ACC last, last week was Jake Taylor. I was in South Bend. Here's a guy who had two goals the entire season. He was injured last year. 2020 was the COVID season. No one knew about this guy. I saw him in high school at an event where he won the MVP of an all-star game. And I was like, wow, this guy is an elite finisher inside. He scored eight goals. He broke the Notre Dame record in his first start. And I think he's the perfect complement to a feeder in Pat Kavanaugh. When you have a passer and you have a finisher in that offense, it changes the complexity of the way that you're going to attack. Having Jake Taylor injected in that offense could be a game changer. Don't sleep on Notre Dame. All right, but here's the thing. Kark, in this light, we know Notre Dame's played the tough schedule, right? All four losses are against teams right around or if not in the top ten. The idea, though, that they're going to get started and be one of those three teams, does it begin with Duke Saturday? I mean, let's be honest. Is is now the time for Cargan's group? It has to be. It's, it's, it's do or die. I think Duke is the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the entire country. Two weeks ago, they go up to the Dome and they get smashed against Syracuse, a team that's very inconsistent, is nicked up, and lacks a lot of top-end talent. They have, like, two elite offensive players. They were losing in that game 7-1. to Then the next week, they're up 10-1 against North Carolina, their rival, and they go on with with an easy W where Brendan O'Neill has seven goals. You don't know what Duke team is going to show up. Typically, John Donowski's teams play really well in April and May. If you look at their track record, they struggle early in the season. I just think that game against Syracuse from Notre Dame, they found their offensive identity. Because when you have an inside guy, the perimeter guys on the outside that were struggling for Notre Dame all those weeks from their shooting uh, percentage perspective, they started getting better looks because you have to protect the paint when Jake Taylor's in there. And I think everyone around in the perimeter for Notre Dame started getting better looks. So I think Notre Dame is trending in a, in a positive direction. Duke, Jekyll, and Hyde, I, I think Notre Dame wins this game. Uh, let's go Gary Gate in Syracuse. I know they're unranked right now. First year for a coach who, again, a legend at Syracuse. It's a, as you all know, better than anybody, uh, it matters at Syracuse, <laughs> both the men's and women's side. A crystal ball, what you expect for the Orange moving forward? You just said it, Pac. They care at Syracuse. I mean, it's been documented in the past they have the biggest budget in the sport they have the tradition with the 11 national championships they have the best player of all time coaching their team everyone expected like turnkey this season but if you look at their roster honestly this is where i thought they'd be i thought they'd be about a 500 team this Hmm. season because the cupboard was was kind of bare and then you have these injuries guys to lucas quinn and, and and a few other really really notable offensive guys who've been in and out of the lineup you can't afford to have some of your better players on the sideline when you don't have depth to begin with. And they're relying so much on Tucker Dordovic, who I think is an elite player, could play at Syracuse in any era. Same with Brendan Curry. But after that, the drop is real. Uh, Gary Gate has the number one recruiting class in the country coming next year, headlined by Joey Spelina, who's the number one overall recruit. There's a Canadian named Finn Thompson who's coming as well. Offensively, he's magnificent. That, to me, is big, too, because I think the one thing – that's been missing at Syracuse over the last decade or so is Canadian talent. We, we haven't had that kind of Canadian talent uh, in the past. When you look at the alum, have always been asking, like, where is the Canadian talent? Gary Gates from Canada. He went and got Finn Thompson, who originally was a Michigan uh, recruit and a commit. So 
I, I think that it's going to change. It's going to take a couple of years. I think by the end of next season, these young guys will be playing at a completely different level, and Syracuse will be back eventually. It's not just a matter of if. It's, it, it's, it's, it's when it's going to happen, and it's going to happen, I think, in the next year and a half, two years. Gary Gate is a winner at every level. I just think people are, are unrealistic. They, they heard Syracuse. They heard Gary Gate, but they didn't look at the roster. Hmm. The, the roster was depleted. The talent is not there. I will say this, too. Outside of the Notre Dame game, I'm so impressed with the new staff, Gary Gate and Dave Petramala. Pat March has been there for a while through the John Desco regime. They played hard in every single game other than Notre Dame, and Notre Dame just smashed them. Syracuse has to play with a, an incredible amount of energy to compete at the ACC elite level. And they, they, they can find a way to, to get some upsets if they play with tremendous passion. Last week, they didn't. Uh, Kirk, I want to finish with Carolina here. Uh, Chris Gray is obviously a, a proven talent, but they look young too. Is that kind of what Joe's dealing with a little bit in Chapel Hill as they go to Virginia on Saturday? Spot on, Wes. I mean, they had five midfielders last year. Their top five midfielders were all seniors. Uh, they gave Chris Gray a lot of breathing room. Those were guys who were getting playing time for four years with the COVID year five. So you you put a bunch of freshman midfielders in that mix and, and some guys that are sophomores and juniors who haven't seen those big minutes. And and, and now they're they're playing against defenses that are they're focusing all on Gray. Those middies don't get those looks. And when they get those looks, they're not capitalizing like the veterans did a year ago. I give Chris credit, Chris Gray so much credit, though, because when you look at his overall success this season, statistically, he's, he's well past where I thought he'd be. I, I thought teams would, would key on him, which they are, and they would shut him down from a statistical perspective. He's still getting his numbers. And Chris Gray, whether they make the playoffs or not, by the end of the regular season, will be the all-time leading point scorer in Division One lacrosse history. He's going to break Lyle Thompson's record, the great Albany player who won the Tuarton twice at 400 points. Gray's going to break it. He, if he stays the course, he's breaking that. And, and I just didn't see that happening with the lack of, of seasoned offensive players around him. But Gray's one of those guys he's hard to key on because he's not just a dodger. He's not just a passer. He's really good off the ball. He has like that incredible lacrosse IQ. When you see a basketball player, you know those guys who just find those seams without being told where to go. It's the little subtle step here. It's the subtle step there. Gray has mastered that. Uh, by the way, before we wrap here, a very important note, Pac, has just come in. Uh, Kark, this is why our show is full service, just so you know, okay? Uh, oh, you get deep- coffee? No, no, trainer. no. It has nothing to do with coffee, but it we, actually... We, we've been replaced by Canadian talent. No, no, we haven't been replaced by Canadian talent. <laughs> Wait, Kark. So, uh, Deidre watches our show. She's in Greensboro, North Carolina, and she heard you have a Husky that's digging up your yard, right? Yes. So, no, no. Deidre says they rescue Huskies, but Huskies are pack animals. So you got to have more than one to keep them entertained. So the oh, good news is, great. yeah, you're going to get another one. Ah, uh, here, here's the other issue. It wouldn't be a hard sell. Everyone likes that dog. The dog's name is Yeti more than me in the house. So I, honestly, I, I could see a second Husky coming sooner than, you know, me getting kicked out of the house. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now that and, you understand your role, this and, should not be a problem. But see, Kark, here's the good news. You can come drink coffee with us if you get kicked out of the house. Yeah. Got you, co- <laughs> got you, got you go. covered on that one. Hey, great to see you. You're the man. Look forward to you the too. next visit. 
Okay. Thanks, Thanks man. Be well. You, you got oh. it. He's the best. Paul Carcaterra, he'll be on the coverage of uh, Carolina and Virginia. We've got lacrosse tonight. Tonight, 7 o'clock, Duke at Virginia Tech on the ladies' side. Get your weekend started early on the women's lack schedule right here on ACC Network, streaming live on the ESPN app. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. By the way, Pack, I told you it was 12 hours, you know, 11 to 11. And look what you get late night Saturday night. The huddle on a spring game Saturday. Recapping the day, that would be uh, Coach Richt, Eric McLean, and apparently Coach Manuel, fresh off his appearance in Tallahassee at the uh, Garnet and Gold game. It's not really official unless they start at 12.30 a.m. That's Sunday. right. But this 11 p.m., probably on time, huddle after dark, Jordan Cornette involved right here on ACC Network and the ESPN app. Who knows? Maybe they open up phone lines. Never know. That could be pretty entertaining. A trivia that? Oh. <laughs> Tell you what, if they go trivia, if we if we do trivia again on this show, no, no. You're, there you're, will be Canadian replacements. You're going French doors on me? Canadian replacements. going French doors if we do trivia? Uh, the equipment will be. By the way, we finished the show it's yesterday. my house, but I, the equipment is. will be. Uh, we finished the show yesterday with the yard guy. Everybody got to see the yard guy. How'd oh, he man. do? Excellent. Excellent. The place okay. looks like Augusta, doesn't it? Huh? I don't know about all that, but yeah, it's, nice. it's nice. I mean, you come rolling in here, it's still dark. When you drive out, you're like, man, oh, it's very nice. house looks oh, pretty strong, very nice. man. Very, very you know, nice. Mrs. P is the gardener. I, I, You know, I got nothing. I don't see any azaleas back there. We don't have azaleas. Oh. It's not We're really Augusta, then, is it? Well, I'll tell you what, our neighbors got them, though. Uh-huh. Ooh, Ooh. Ingrid across the street. Very nice. Impressive. Very nice. She's got one of those gardens. It's like she's got one of the garden clubs like of Charlotte. Yeah. That they have people bring buses down the street. Oh, very nice. That's, I mean, that's Ingrid across the street. Fuller, can I do anything for you down here? Yeah, you're kind of in his way, to be honest with you. I'm going to slide. I'll be up against the door by the time we're done. All right, a couple more schools here to talk about. By the way, Chester's praying to Haley Van Lith. Yeah, Chester's completely on his back, talking to Haley. All right, Duke. And Mike Elko take over. In fact, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do three first-year guys here. We're going to do Elko, Tony Elliott, Mario Cristobal, just okay. in terms of where we think they might be. For Duke, it's, it's all new. That's the thing. We, you know, here's Sam, who's getting his question read despite his Twitter handle being L.A. Dodgers now, all day. Now, remember, Sam is the guy that won. Remember when the Braves destroyed the L.A. Dodgers? And yes. Crumbled them, right. crushed them, yes. just just. And I had the the beat LA hat. Yeah, and we put it out for bids, and everyone. Sam won the Sam's hat. Sam's the guy that won the hat. There you go. Uh, he says on Twitter, as a Duke football fan, it's quite simple: Are the players buying into Coach Elko's system? Past time for Duke football to be respectable. We need to be competitive on both sides. Understanding no immediate fix, just hoping to see signs of progress. I think you got a chance on that side. I think you got a chance to see the progress. How are you going to measure it? And that's really where the next question for Mike Elko will be following their spring is what did you learn in the spring about your systems and your process? And how much of this is, you know, good to go to turn profit wins in the spring, in the fall rather. Duke needs dudes. 
No question. Period. Yeah. You, you want to see progress? The only way you're going to see progress is if you have better players. Mm -hmm. Right. Duke currently, in my opinion, doesn't have enough dudes. Mike Elko, I'm sure, is going to be an outstanding coach. He did a great job right. in all of his stops. He's got a great reputation on the defensive side. But I think to, to, to see it, you got to have better players to compete. Correct. If you're going to sit there and say, listen, the standard by what we're bringing in from a talent standpoint mm -hmm. is going to flatline, you're not going to see any right. improvement. It's, it really, it's that easy. And, and in, in some ways, you just need to see it go week to week and get a little better and hope you avoid the debilitating injury to a player who you need to have on the field a lot, offensively or defensively. It could be quarterback. It could be – you know, defensive end, whatever the situation is, you just got to be able to see some degree of continuity through this schedule. I don't know how many wins that's going to equate to. Well, here's the other thing. You know, I wouldn't even ask the question, are they going to buy in? Because if you don't, you're out. That's how that works with a new staff. Sure. I mean, whoever buys in, you'll see them compete and get better. Mm -hmm. But if you're not going to buy into the new staff, then quite frankly, you need to find another place to go. Yeah. It's just the way it works. They had a uh, They had a hundred-play scrimmage over the weekend. And should have. I mean, that's the kind of thing, when I hear they had a 100-play scrimmage, that means they had enough bodies. Because if you don't have enough bodies in the spring, it's not 100 plays, by the way. So, we'll, we'll see where that is. That's a good question, though, on behalf of, uh, on behalf of what Mike Elko's building. Let's go to Charlottesville. Uh, Tony Elliott takes over at Virginia. And I think you and I are optimistically excited about what his opportunity is here, especially with number five at quarterback. And Tremaine, who has uh, called the show and been a part of the show more than once, says, will Brennan Armstrong be even more dynamic under Coach Elliott with a dangerous wide receiver core? Can the defense take steps forward under the new staff? Yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks here. Uh, but you don't have one at quarterback, which is the start. That's if you got the guy the who can make start. plays, yep. you got a chance to make some noise. And yep. Virginia has that opportunity. Uh, I'm kind of curious to watch Tony Elliott as a head coach. We've known him for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. I did a great job with Dabo at Clemson, but he also had great players. So now, tag, you're it. You're the head man. What's that going to look like? I can tell you this much. He's a classy guy. He's a smart football coach. And he's going to be dealing with smart football players. And you got a guy under center who makes things happen, and you got playmakers. So I would suspect on the surface, before we see a, a single game, I would expect more of the same on that front from Virginia's standpoint. I do think the point about the defense is going to be the key. I mean, if you want to win and be consistent and say, guess what, we got a shot to win a division, it's got to be improved on that side of the ball. John Rodzinski is the defensive coordinator. Uh, Virginia kind of ran a three-three-five with Bronco Mendenhall. Um, to me, Des Kitchings offensively, I, I think you can expect dynamic offensive play. I between Tony and Des, wouldn't you think? That's what I just said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I, if it's not, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, uh, they got a lot of familiarity, by the way, with guys like Karome Cox on that sideline who played at Maryland. Uh, Chris Slade, we mentioned when he got hired there. I mean, they they've got some they got some coaching talent. Uh, it's just a matter of continuity and coming together. That's a, that's what you got to get through the first year. You're All right. not going to see Virginia. You're not going to see Virginia picked to win the coast. No, just going to tell you that right now. That's so not if, if the envision is, hey, we got Tony Elliott, we're going to win the coast. Well, you might, but nobody in April, May, June, July, or August is going to think Virginia's the team to beat in the coast. You know who you might see picked to win the coastal? Miami. Yeah. And I think Mario Cristobal with TVD. No doubt. And the names defensively, 
I mean, this this could be like that. I, I, they were already pretty good. Yeah, no question. Here's what I do like about Miami on the surface. I like what Cristobal has put together as a staff. Mm-hmm. I like what I, in terms of recruiting, mindset, approach, everything about what Miami's done in the offseason, I have really, really liked. Now, right. does that equate to wins? We will find out in September. But this is a talented group that has a quarterback who can flat out do it. This guy is a Heisman caliber QB. Yep. So what are the questions? Can you just build it? How fast can you turn it may be the real question. The question to me is, can Miami close? That I, mean, I think they are talented enough to play with everybody mm-hmm. in this league. I do. Uh, and they got a game with Texas A&M, which is a critical game yep. for both of them. There's going to be a lot of hype about A&M, as usual. There's going to be a lot of hype about Miami, as usual. Right. So that, to me, is a fascinating non-conference game. But I think if you're a Miami Hurricane fan, you got. I, I I would say you'd be absolutely ecstatic with the moves that have been made in the offseason. That'd yeah. be my take. Well, and I think you got to remember too, Bethune Cookman and Southern Miss before you get to College Station. Well, I'm not worried You're about gonna be, those, but they're going to be two and zero, and they're going to have seen all their depth. Well, I, I'm not worried about two. those two games, but that A and M game. That's a real deal. The, the traditional hype of A and M. Again, we see this seemingly every single year, and in my adult life, I don't, I don't remember them ever. Winning anything. Yes, sir. Uh, and I'm not knocking them because I love going there. College Station is a great place, great fans, great everything. Um, but they've got a ton of hype. And there will be a ton of hype about Miami, too. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Thursday. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Do appreciate all of our great guests today. But oh, yeah. uh, we still have some unfinished business to attend to before we get out of here. Uh, yeah, we got an on this date and a few news and notes. 19 years ago today, Syracuse won the national title and Carmelo Anthony was the tournament's most outstanding player. And Josh Macri had 17,000 pom-poms going on and going <laughs> ballistic. No doubt. By the way, great-looking floor. This is before they raised the floor, so seats were a little better, you know, going up in the end zones. Uh, and uh, Roy Williams had a classic quote after this game, yes, which I don't did. think we can repeat on this show. No, but he did a great job. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of on this date, can I give a, a quick shout-out on sure. this date? Yeah. 93 years ago, Jim Roberts, Amy, my wife's dad. Yeah. Father-in-law, my father-in-law. Amy's dad, Jim Roberts, today turns 93. Happy birthday, Mr. Roberts. Yes, sir. Having a big party down there in Clinton, South Carolina. Home of the Red Devils and the Blue Hose. They're about about a flip wedge away from Presbyterian College. Yeah. Miss Amy's heading on down to Clinton, South Carolina for a big party. So, Jim, if you're watching, happy birthday. 93 years young today. Yeah. How about that? So, uh, happy birthday to Mr. Roberts. Yep. In the home of the Blue Hose and the Clinton High Red Devils. That's exactly there it. There you go. George Campbell, Red Devil from back in the day. Clinton, Golf buddy of mine. Clinton, South Carolina. Yep. Good spot in the road now, right? So, Anthony wins M- MOP in 2003. A few years ago, there were three freshmen that kind of took the scene in ACC basketball playing for Coach K. Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Marvin Bagley the year before, Jabari Parker. 
I'm just rolling down freshman scoring averages. Kenny Anderson. Don't worry about any of those. Mark Price. You want, you want my favorite freshman? Is that what you're asking for? I'm mean, just asking. If we're going to talk freshman in the ACC. For me, this is just a personal preference because mm-hmm. you're just rattling off I'm just leaders. rolling off scoring averages. You know who my favorite freshman was? You should know this. A modern version of Duke. There's one guy that I loved as a player. At Duke? Yep. Christian Leitner? No, I mean, later. I'm talking about, I said recently. Okay. Who? High flyer. Cassius Stanley. He was, I loved him. That's your favorite freshman? Cassius Stanley? It's my opinion. From LA? I'm not saying I'm speaking for the masses. I'm talking about my guy. In terms of all the Duke freshmen that Case had here recently, you can have Zion, you can have those. What about in the ACC? Across the board? Yeah. How about if I give you like Trevor Lawrence to me was as a freshman? No, no, basketball. Oh, I'm sorry. You keep putting guidelines up, but you you pigeonhole me to like one well, we're team. Talking about, we're talking about Carmelo Anthony. I understand it, but you just asked me for freshman. Yeah, give me a freshman. I just gave basketball you player, ACC. What about Skip Wise? Skip Wise at Clemson was great. How about Kenny Anderson? Kenny Anderson now was a bad man. Kenny Anderson George was Tech. a bad man. I loved him. At they went to Georgia the Final Tech. Four his freshman year. Loved him in Georgia Tech. Yeah. Can I, can I give you one that was not in the ACC but in an ACC school? Sure. How about if I give you a go Louisville mid eighties Purvis Ellison, mm-hmm. Savannah noticed. Georgia. I go that way if you want. I go football. I, I got all kinds on the top of my head, but I love Stanley though. You only liked it because he looked eyeball level at the rim when he Dude, dunked it at Boston College. Been, there hasn't been a dunker in this league like that guy. Pretty good. Whatever happened to him? Huh? Is he playing anywhere? Because I don't keep up with it. I mean, Cassius Stanley was the best dunker in the ACC since Ismail Muhammad at Georgia Tech. So what happened to him? Cassius Stanley, I mean, he was on a two-way deal, I think. Second-round pick. Still in the Pistons, I think. No, Pistons. Is that, is that a professional team? Yes, they're still playing. Are they, is that, is I they, would, are they still in the NBA or they just get casted away to the G League? I, <laughs> they're still in the NBA. I would say from a basketball perspective, for me, Ralph Sampson. And I know they won the NIT, but to see a guy that long, and he was ahead of his time in terms of a big guy that could play at distance, right? Why, why are we so limited to basketball? We're not. From a freshman football perspective. How about uh, Luke Amos Ke- Lawrence? Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley was Boston terrific. College. How about Amos Lawrence, 1977 at Carolina? You're going way back. How about Jameis Winston? Yeah, well, he was a redshirt freshman, wasn't he? Well, Still said freshman. Freshman, did right. you? James oh, Winston. You keep changing the rules on me. I'm not changing the rules. I'm just asking. Uh, James Winston's terrific. I mean, how, I mean, Luke yeah, I'm Keekly. Not... What about Luke... Valerie Cagle a couple of years ago in softball? Oh, yeah, no doubt. The league's had a ton of them. Had a ton of them. That's why I said Trevor Lawrence. I mean, all the hype with, okay, Trevor Lawrence, what is he going to do? Okay, yeah. all right. I mean, it took about two throws and you went, uh, I think this guy's going to be pretty good. Yeah, he threw that crossing route to Hunter Renfro on Grant right. Field his freshman year. Right. Let me Cross tell you his something. body. Let me tell you something. People realized then, that'd be okay if that other guy, not the guy. Yeah, that's what the head coach ended up deciding on yeah. the way back up the uh, I-85. Yeah. rest is history. Uh, piece of news here. Uh, last couple days, a story somehow developed on speculation – an opinion that Mike Krzyzewski might not call it quits at Duke. Uh, Jay Williams and Jeff Goodman and others were uh, 
building on rumor. Uh, we said yesterday on this show, unless Mickey Krzyzewski said it, <laughs> there'd be no reason to buy any of it. Right. Uh, yesterday, though, on Basketball and Beyond on Sirius XM, ESPN, Channel 84. Yes, Channel 84, where you can hear part, the right. award-winning off-campus program every afternoon. Sean Farnham hosted uh, Basketball and Beyond with Coach K. It's a radio show, not a podcast. That is correct. And the Hall of Fame, former coach of the Blue Devils, addressed the speculation. Well, to even be put in the same room, maybe, that Brady would be in is, is an honor. But, uh, you know, he still has talent that uh, can be used <laughs> at a really high level. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, with the, yeah. the coaching part of it, and but uh, wow, you know I've been so lucky to be in it for forty-seven years, and uh, almost five decades of coaching at either West Point or or Duke, and then eleven years with US. You know how lucky can you be? You know, like uh, uh, to be in that arena. And with two of the best institutions in the world, and then to represent your country in the in the global arena, it's been an unbelievable honor, and uh, uh, and I've I've loved it. I, I've loved doing what I dreamed I wanted to do when I was sixteen, and that was to be a coach. And uh, it went on steroids, you know. I mean that's all the opportunities and the people who've helped me. And obviously one of the main things is the players that you have an honor to coach who have been so very talented and so very committed to, uh, to team play. And as a result, we've won a lot of championships and obviously you lose too, but uh, th those times that you win are, are cherished. Well said by Coach K. As well, hopefully you would that expect. puts an end of all that speculation, yeah. as it should. Um, let me uh, tell you that from time to time you run across things that when we read them or see them online, we, we feel compelled to share them. And I will share with you that Michael Rosenberg of Sports Illustrated has cut loose an incredible piece that was done at the tail end of the regular season with John Shire about the change in leadership and how you – Learn from Coach K, you play for Coach K, but yet you got to be your own guy, right? When you move into that chair, which he has now done. Uh, Michael Rosenberg spent some time, but they were not going to release it until after the season was over, and that was part of the agreement in doing the story. It is a terrific – it's not good. It's a terrific insight into John Shire and the secession plan at Duke, and it is – it's worth your time if you're a Duke fan for sure. But even if you like the ACC or just want to find out about how this worked – it's really, really fascinating read that Michael Rosenberg did for Sports Illustrated. I'd, I'd highly suggest it if you find yourself uh, looking for something to read. I have not read that yet. Yeah, it's really good. Read it last night, and uh, in fact, I just tweeted it out because I think it's for ACC fans. It's a fascinating look at the at the entire process. It really is like how they would even have meetings, normal staff meetings, and then when it came to discussing something for next year they would go to a different place in the building to just have that meeting, just to change the atmospheric type approach to what John may want to do as the head coach next year, as opposed to what they've become accustomed to for 42 years. 
And I thought that was an interesting note, and he spoke of it there too. He's had his moment. He's had his walk, right? And yet his full support continues to be with John. But John also feels compelled to put his identity on it, don't you think? I mean, I think that's going to be one of the really interesting things for us to watch as people that follow the sport. Well, he's got to be his own person. Yep. And it's not Coach K 2.0. It's going to be John Shire, much like what you saw with Hubert Davis at North Carolina. It's not Roy Williams. He's right. going to have his own different philosophies and yeah. put his own stamp on it, and John will have to do exactly the same thing at Duke. But he will be under a watchful eye. There's no question about that. That's not just taking over a program. You're taking over Duke. You're taking over North Carolina. Yeah. What uh, Kenny Payne's going to do at Louisville. There's another one. He'll have to put his own stamp of approval. Here's the way we're going to conduct business and go on down the road. And Like I said, we're going through a transition time in ACC men's basketball. It's kind of cool to have a front row seat yep. to watch the next generation of hopefully great basketball. Yep, I agree with you on that. Uh, Coach K and Coach Shire, for that matter, will also be interested in opening day baseball because they're both big Cubs fans. And given the fact that Paul Carcatera is having trouble with his Husky, perhaps uh, a Coach K. To K looks Coach K. wants the dog. Looking so for a dog. There we're just go. out there to help. Uh, another ACC coach has just been named Coach of the Year, Hubert Davis, the winner of the Big House Gaines Award, uh, an award honoring the uh, late, great coach at Winston-Salem State. And he was. Uh, in fact, great you, are, guy. you are correct. Big House was phenomenal. Hubert named the winner of the Gaines Award by the National Sports Media Association as the top African-American coach of the 21-22 season. And Wes Durham, of course, the president of the National Sports Media Association. <laughs> He is. That is true. Yes, it is. It's not meant to be a joke. No, no, that's fact. That's and fine. you're the president and had no vote or say so. Saw quite, the saw the list. That's and, quite an organization. It reminds me of another organization that's uh, handing uh, national championship trophies to the Kansas City Jayhawks. <laughs> if you look back here on the wall, though, behind Mark, there's a picture of Mark and Billy and Brother Brant. Yeah. The night Billy went into the National Sports Media Association Hall of Fame. It was highlighted by Mark wearing socks. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham, final segment of a busy Thursday show. Another yeah. good day of guests, though. Yeah. Always fun. Terrific day. Uh, we are underway at Augusta National for the time being, it looks like. Uh, Larry Mize, Georgia Tech, Austin Greaser, the amateur from the University of North Carolina, on the golf course at even par. <laughs> you like that? Sure, why not? Let's go. Right? I can see you at Augusta doing it. Uh, it'd be fun. That would, that's on the bucket list. I'm going be, uh, to be involved in the uh, coverage of the PGA next month. Are you? Yes. Yep. What are very, you going to do? Very excited about that. Going to be involved in some of the uh, ESPN Plus coverage. How about that? Yeah, I'm that's, excited. That's I, I will say you've always wanted to do. I, exactly right. Yep. So looking forward to being part of that. Did I say about getting a call to do that? No, you should have. You'd be good. I would be a disaster. What? <laughs> I would be a complete total disaster. Why would disaster you be a disaster? Doing golf on television. Why would you be disaster? Because I would get bored to tears with it. That's why. Oh, come on. Because you would, played the sport, I understand all that. I know what's going. I get, I get, understand the mechanics of the swing. I understand all the technical. I get all that stuff. It would drive me crazy. It drive me absolutely nuts. It would. Yeah. By the way, you can see coverage. I, I can hear you doing it in two seconds. Doing your. 
He's got a six iron. Yeah, I could hear you doing that in a second. Six iron from 190. Drew Brooks. Yeah, Drew Brooks. Three wood from 142 yards. 142 yards. He's got his Uncle Ned Walter Hagen version. He's going to have to step on it. Yeah, he is. Um, The uh, golf tournament is available. Those of you that have the ESPN app, full coverage available on the ESPN Plus. And you can see a lot of that stuff starting uh, here shortly. I can't wait. Um, All right. It is also opening day, kids. Baseball. And if you know anything in 600 editions of the Packer and Durham program, we have on this program one team that we follow and one team that we admonish. I only hate one team in sports. I openly root against them. I tell you that up front, so if you're a fan of that respective team, you're not offended because you shouldn't be because you were warned. That's Carolina, isn't it? No. Okay. I've got no problem with Carolina. <laughs> I know you don't. Billy. Uh, Billy didn't like Billy it. was rooting for Carolina the other night. He was. You told me that, and I think people are floored. He, he was. He was rooting like crazy Billy, for him. Yeah, sure he was. Um, but I don't like the L.A. Dodgers. I hate everything they stand for. <laughs> I'll just tell you that up front, and I don't mean to sugarcoat it. Uh, and so Major League Baseball gets started today, Wes. So I'm going to ask you, given your Atlanta ties, even though I know you love the Red Sox, yeah, the over and under on wins for respective teams. I'm going to go. I am going to take the World Champion Atlanta Braves. Yeah, your guy Roddy, his favorite team. Roddy Jones's favorite team for sure. The Braves' win total is 90.5 wins. Are you going over or under for the Bravos? At 90.5. I'm going to go over. I agree with that. I, I would. Do. I would. Roddy Jones may admonish me later, my partner in football, but I'm going to say that over 90. And I agree. Hour. Okay. I totally agree with that. All right. So the San Francisco Giants. Wait, excuse me. National League West champion, San Francisco Giants. Okay. Sorry. Get it right. The San Francisco Giants. Not to be confused with the National League West runner up. L.A. Dodgers. Right. Got it. Okay, now you got it. The over-under on your beloved Giants. My guys. 85 and a hook. That's almost comical, isn't it? I would say over in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm sorry. We don't, I'm sorry that we only won 107 last year. Sorry. I mean, that's, that's such a disrespectful question. It doesn't even deserve an answer. Okay. Just for fun on the program, over-under the Dodgers, 98 and a half. Oh, way over. Way over. And then, then October happens. And then America rejoices. America gets so excited to watch the Dodgers, who, by the way, for the record, have not won a real-world series a real since world 1988. Series. What's a real one? You play full season. 162 games? Play a real oh, God. season. This is not like an exhibition we played for a month and we happen to buy ourselves into a neutral site. No, the Dodgers have not won one since 88. Neutral? Get that right. Yeah. It was neutral. I noticed we didn't have an over-under on the Arizona Diamondbacks for Drew Brooks. Uh, they've been shoveled off to triple-A baseball. Twelve-and-a-half, I'm being told, the over-under on the Diamondbacks. D-backs? 67-and-a-half is the real number. Brooks isn't worried about the D-backs. He's more concerned about the red-hot Phoenix Suns <laughs> who are on their way to a world championship. You think so? That's what he says. Yeah. What do you think? No. No. No big deal, right? Just whatever. No, not with Michael Jordan's team down here. 
Really? Is we'll, that it? We'll see him in the finals. Is that what you're counting on? No. And you've been to how many games this year? Uh, zero. Zero. Yeah. How many games the last three years? Uh, one. One. That's right. They won. They won. And <laughs> they did. Never invited they us back. They need you in the building. They actually won a game and did not invite us back. It's all you need to know about that organization. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Won the game. Yeah. Hey, maybe Packer Durham could be a good luck charm. Man, yeah, maybe. Okay. Have they uh, won anything since? No, they have not. <laughs> Thanks to Paul Carcaterra, Virginia Tech softball coach, uh, Pete Diamore, uh, his team at Florida State this weekend, Sunday, the getaway game high noon right here on ACC Network. Jack Hurley of Virginia Tech, the nation's leader in batting average at 464. It seems like a misprint. And, of course, BC football coach Jeff Halfley. He's the one with the um, – Shake Shack, Shake Shack gift cards, gift cards, and uh, waiting for pink Himalayan sea salt. Uh, Brooke Wyckoff, the new women's basketball coach at Florida State, and Carolina football coach Mac Brown on the Friday edition of Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from seven to ten Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.